Thanks, Minoka. All right. Um, well, today we are starting a brand new sermon series, and this series is all about money. I wrote in my notes, hold for applause, um, but you guys are speechless with excitement. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just joking. I've been a pastor long enough to know that a lot of people really hate sermons on money. And even if you don't hate sermons on money, I know this is a subject that makes many of us deeply uncomfortable. And um, as we get into this here, I kind of just want to pause there for a second. You know, sometimes when we feel a, a strong emotion, especially a negative emotion, it can be instructive to kind of explore that a little bit and be curious about why we feel the way that we feel. And um, as I was reflecting on it this week, I think there's uh, a lot of reasons why money talk makes us uncomfortable, especially in the context of church. Uh, but I want to name two of what I think are, are the biggest reasons. The, the first is, I think for most of us, money is a major source of stress in our lives. Um, I did some Googling this week to try to figure out, as a society, like what is our relationship with money look like? And I, I found some things that I thought were uh, pretty striking. So I want to share a few things with you uh, here. One thing I found is that uh, 90%, I don't know if you know this, 90% of Americans say that their financial concerns affect their stress levels. And this is across income levels, socioeconomic statuses, like most of us have this in common, apparently. Uh, another thing I found is that among all, all of our stressors, money is the number one for uh, the vast majority of us. I found that 73% of Americans say money is, is number one source of stress over family problems, problems at work, even political stress, stress about world events. So it, it's a major stressor. We, we know that uh, money can put a strain on some of our closest and, and more, most important relationships. Uh, I found some of you know this statistic, but uh, financial problems are a significant factor, a contributing factor in nearly 40% of all divorces in this country. It's a big deal. I even found one survey that suggests that over half of Americans feel some degree of anxiety just from thinking not taking action or, or working on anything, but just from thinking uh, about our finances. And, and so money is, is a major source of stress. I think um, additionally, what makes money an uncomfortable subject for us is that for many of us, I know money can also be a, a source of shame as well. Because as soon as we start to think about our personal finances, we, we get hit with this wave of, of shoulds, like I should make more money than I do at this stage of my life or, or this stage of my career. What, what's wrong with me? Or I, I should be able to afford the kind of lifestyle that I see other people around me living. What, what's wrong with me? Or I should be better at managing my money. I should be less worried about my money. I should be more generous with my money. What, what's wrong with me? So no wonder we don't love showing up to church and, and hearing talk on money, right? Um, I don't know if it makes you feel any better, but I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I, some people assume that pastors are so spiritual that we just like float through life without a care in the world. But I live in the same world you do. I have an income. I have expenses. I have a, a household to manage. And so I promise you, I, I feel the same tensions around money that you feel. And, and I would just add, um, if you think it's uncomfortable to hear a sermon on money, uh, try preaching a sermon on money. To, to people of widely different income levels, 
different degrees of privilege, uh, different degrees of skepticism towards the church. Some of you I know personally pretty well. Others of you I, I really don't know very well at all. Um, it, it's, it's uncomfortable, so we can name that up front here. And so you may be thinking to yourself, well, okay then, Daniel, if we all agree that, that this is not a fun subject to talk about, can we just not? Like, can we talk about something else instead? And, and I thought about that a lot this week, believe me. But what I kept coming back to was like, if we ignore money, what kind of church would we be? I mean, do we want to be a church that turns a blind eye to, to this powerful force, that this thing in all of our lives that shapes our emotions and our decisions and our relationships and, and even like our self-esteem sometimes? Uh, do we want to pretend like our faith has nothing to say about what is apparently one of the greatest sources of stress and, and shame that most of us face in our lives? I don't know about you. I don't want to be that kind of church, right? Even though this is hard, I want us to be authentic and real, and I want to be able to have honest conversations about things that are hard, e even when it's uncomfortable. And so I just think money is too important for us to ignore. One of the reasons that I feel confident in saying that is actually because of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but back in the first century, people were just as stressed out about money back then as we are today. People found this just as uncomfortable as we do today. And yet what we see as we look through the Gospels, and that's like the biblical account of Jesus' life, is that Jesus talks about money and not just a little bit, Jesus talks about money a lot. Did you know that nearly a third of Jesus' parables involve money or wealth or possessions? Uh, by my count, Jesus actually talks about money more than he talks about heaven even. So apparently, Jesus thinks this is a subject that is just too important to ignore. And so that's why, that's why we're doing not just one sermon, but we're doing a, a whole sermon series. It's, it's called Jesus on Money, Jesus on Money. It's exactly like what it sounds. We're going to be looking at some different lessons that Jesus has to teach us that relate to our finances. And if you're tempted to tune all of this out, I understand that, but I hope that you won't do that because I think what we're going to find is that Jesus' teachings on this subject are practical and helpful um, and Jesus wants more than anything to lead us to a relationship with money that is healthy and life-giving uh, and, and faithful. So that's where we're going in this series. I don't expect to make you uh, excited about that, but um, hopefully you'll at least approach this with an open mind and not tune me out. Uh, but here's where I want to go for the rest of the sermon today. As we're laying the foundation here for what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, I just want to start with this basic question of like, why does Jesus talk about money so much? Why does Jesus think that this is such an important subject? Uh, as we think about that, you know, we could take like a, a skeptical view and we could say, well, maybe Jesus talks about money so much because he wants our money for himself in some kind of way. Like I was recently reading this article about this pastor, this was over in Tennessee, and this pastor started preaching to his congregation that for every dollar they give to the church, God would give them $2 in return. So give a dollar to the church, get $2 back. Give a million dollars, he said, and you could get $2 million back. And I'm reading this article and thinking to myself, like, maybe he has an ulterior motive, you know? Uh, maybe he wants a little of that money for himself. And, and so we could wonder, is Jesus, like, working a similar angle, right? Like, does, does Jesus want our money for himself? 
Well, the problem with that theory is when you read through the Gospels, what you'll find is that Jesus never once asked anyone for money ever. Did you know that? There's actually one small exception to this. One time Jesus was preaching a sermon, and he needed a coin to use for a sermon illustration. So he asked someone in the crowd if he could borrow their coin, used it in the sermon, and as far as we know, he gave it right back afterwards. So apparently Jesus doesn't really want our money for himself. And I would also add here that uh, when you stop and think about it, Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus doesn't need my money, right? Jesus can walk on water. Jesus can feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread. Jesus can heal every sickness and every disease. Jesus can raise people from the dead. He does not need your money, and he does not need my money. He can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. But that still leaves us with this question. If Jesus is not after our money, he doesn't want it, he doesn't need it, then why does he talk about it so much? Well, as it turns out, his very first followers ran into the same question. They wondered the exact same thing. And I'm excited to talk about this passage in Matthew chapter 6 here that Manoka read for us, because in this passage, Jesus is actually answering this question for us. Um, we're going to unpack this, but before we dive into the scripture, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh God, we thank you for the gift of your word, God, that helps us to know your heart that also helps us to, to learn and, and to seek your guidance, Lord. We pray that you would come and uh, open up our hearts by the power of your spirit, Lord. Help us to hear the words of love and comfort that you have for us today, God, but also open us to the ways that you're pushing us and, and challenging us to grow and to change and to be transformed. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, who is the living word. Amen. Well, when we meet Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 here, he is on a roll. He is right in the middle of one of the longest sermons that he's ever preached um, and the most famous sermon he ever preached, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he is not following the instructions of my preaching professor. He's covering a bunch of different topics all at once. He's kind of jumping from thing to thing. And here in the middle of chapter 6, he, unprovoked, unprompted, he, he turns his attention once again to money. I'll, I'll show you what he says here. Uh, verse 19, Jesus says, stop collecting treasures. And this is a word that means money, wealth, possessions. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. And I can imagine when he says that, the disciples start rolling their eyes and they're like, here he goes again, bringing up money, stressing us all out. But Jesus is undeterred. He keeps going. He says, instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. And, and I think at this point, the disciples are like, Jesus, can you please talk about like literally anything else? You know, you can imagine people like starting to get up to, to leave at this point in the sermon. The disciples are thinking, Jesus, why do you talk about this so much? And I think Jesus knows that that's the question on their mind. Because listen to what he says next. Don't, don't miss this. This is so important. Verse 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your, what? Heart is also. Yeah, let's try that again. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. One more time. I want this to sink in. Where your treasure is, there your heart, heart is also. Why does Jesus talk so much about money? Not because he wants it, not because he needs it. It's because Jesus knows that our money is deeply, deeply connected to our hearts. 
And if there's one thing that Jesus cares about, it's our hearts. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, I think we could, we could put it like this. Um, our hearts move our money, and our money moves our hearts, right? Our hearts move our money. It's like Jesus is saying to us, hey, show me where your money is going. Show me where you're putting your treasure, and I'll show you what you really care about. I'll show you what you love. Show me where your money is going, and, and I'll show you your heart. And we hear that, and on one level, that can be affirming. You know, parents, uh, we, we tend to spend a lot of money on our kids, right? Uh, and, and we should, because we have a heart for our kids. It, it makes sense. Those of you that have pets, you probably spend a lot of money on your pets, right? Like you got vet bills and food and grooming and, and all the things. And it makes sense because you have a heart for, for your pets. But at the same time, this is a teaching that can also be kind of convicting for us, right? Because as I look at where my money is going, maybe what my money is telling me is that I have a heart for some stupid stuff on Amazon that I don't really need. You know, I got boxes on the front porch and I can't even remember what I ordered. Uh, or, or maybe what my money is telling me is I have a heart for this vacation that I can't really afford. Or I have a heart for some new clothes that I don't really need. Maybe what my money is telling me is that I have a heart for keeping up with the Joneses. And, and we say to Jesus, ouch, Jesus, what the heck? And Jesus says, I know that, that it can be painful, but it's important that you know this. Uh, our hearts move our money, and therefore, when we look at where our money is going, for better or worse, we can get a picture of our hearts. But, but you see, it also works the other way. Not only does our heart move our money, but, but our money also moves our hearts. I'll give you an example. Um, I really don't like it when my kids eat their snacks in my car. Why? Because usually I have to go behind them and I'm picking out goldfish from between the seats and I'm picking up half-eaten granola bars off the floorboard and there's applesauce on the seats and, and all of this. And I love my kids and I want them to enjoy their snacks, but I also love my car. Why do I love my car? Well, primarily because over the years I've invested a lot of money into that car. Don't take this the wrong way, but I don't really care about your car. If you want to let your kids smear applesauce on the seats, that's fine with me. Why? Because I have exactly zero dollars invested in your car. You see, our hearts move our money, but also our money moves our hearts. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, there, I wish we had more time today because there's so many other implications of this teaching uh, that, that are so important to think about. But really, the, the takeaway that I want for us today as we're starting this series on money is, is just to remember that this is why Jesus talks about money. It's because he knows that it's so deeply connected to our hearts. And, and again, if there's one thing Jesus cares about, it's our hearts. It's our hearts. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up here in, in just a second, but um, before I do... I want to leave you today with three big questions to be thinking about. And these questions are, are pretty big and, and broad, and you don't have to have the answers to these today, but I just want to plant the seeds and, and get the wheels turning for you here. Uh, so the first question I, I want to ask you to think about is this one. Um, as you think about your money, as you think about your, your treasure, as Jesus says, what is your money telling you about your heart right now? What's your money telling you? Um, what is it that your money says that you care about, that you love? What are your priorities? 
And you may want to even begin thinking about, is there something that needs to change there? I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know your situation. I, I have no idea. But it's worth thinking about. Is my money telling me that, that I need to maybe change some priorities in my life? Worth considering. So that's, that's the first question. Uh, the second question is maybe in some ways even more personal, uh, and that is, um, are you in a place financially where you could use some guidance right now? I was in that place at a previous point in my life. Uh, when Kirsten and I got married, we did not have a very good handle on our finances, if I'm honest. We, we didn't have a budget. We weren't tracking our expenses. We didn't really have a plan for dealing with our debts. And at times, that was really overwhelming, and that was stressful. And eventually, uh, we got pregnant with our first child, and that kind of gave me the, the kick in the pants that I needed to, to take some action and, and get things under control. And it just so happened that my church at the time was leading this um, six-week personal finance course. And I knew this was something I needed, so I signed up, and I took this course. And, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that that six weeks changed my financial life. It did. I learned how to make a budget and stick to it. I learned how to track my expenses. I learned how to make a plan to deal with my debt. And as a result, Kirsten and I were able to be more generous with our finances than we'd ever been before. And we had a sense of, of peace and security about our money that we had not had before. If you're hearing me say this and you're feeling like, yeah, I'm in that place right now, that is something that I need, I want you to know at Kindred Church, we're offering a very similar course. It's going to start in just a couple of weeks. It's called Saving Grace. It's going to be on Sunday evenings on Zoom. We tried to make a, a convenient time that would work for, for most people. You can get all the details about this in your newsletter, which is linked in your bulletin at the, at the bottom of the bulletin page. I really hope some of you are going to sign up for this course um, because I think it really could make a difference in your life. It certainly did make a difference uh, for, for me. So we want to help you. We want to support you. Be thinking about if you're in a place where you need some guidance, uh, take action and, and do something about it, and we're here to help. Uh, third and final thing I want to get you thinking about is um, th th if you're like a new to Kindred, if you're just a visitor with us, don't worry about this. This is more for those of us that call this church our home. If kindred is your church family, uh, I'd invite you to think about this with me. Among your financial priorities, where does kindred church fit? The, the reason that I ask this question today is because today is the start of our annual generosity campaign, and this is the season every year when we turn our focus to how are we going to fund all of the, the mission and the, the ministries that we want to continue in the coming year? How are we going to fund the, the mission and ministries that we hope to grow and, and expand and add in the coming year? We, we have hopes and, and dreams for what Kindred Church is going to become. And in the weeks ahead, you're going to be hearing a lot more stories and get a lot more information about the hopes and dreams that we have for the future of Kindred Church. Uh, but, of course, it, it takes funding for us to, to be able to do the things we, we believe God has called us uh, to do. The end of the campaign will be Sunday, October the 29th, and I hope you'll plan to be in worship with us that day. Uh, we'll have a special time of prayer for our church and, and this new year that we're getting ready to, to enter into in ministry. And there will also be a time in that service when all of us who call Kindred our church home will be invited to just confidentially let the church know how much we and, and our households uh, intend to give to the church over the coming year. As you can imagine, when we're making plans for what ministries we want to continue and, and what's really fun is to dream about what ministries we can add and expand and grow, uh, it really, really helps us to know what 
different people in our church, what the households of our church uh, are planning to, to contribute so that we can budget uh, accordingly. So uh, again, 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 among your financial priorities, where does Kindred Church fit? Uh, money is uncomfortable, as we've said, but it's just too important for us to ignore. And so I hope you'll track with us through this series as we look at what Jesus has to say, because what you're going to find is that Jesus doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't. Jesus wants something for you and for me. He wants to lead us to a healthy, life-giving, faithful relationship with our money because he knows that that's what's good for our hearts. Let me pray for us. Oh, oh gracious God, uh, we are thankful to you for who you are, God. You love us. You care about us so deeply that sometimes you turn our attention to things that, that we'd rather not have to think about. Uh, but God, we know that you do it for our good. And so we pray that you would open us up into this, in this season so that we can think together um, about how is it that you're calling us to manage what you've given us, Lord, what you've blessed us with, God. Uh, for all of us who experience anxiety related to our finances, uh, we pray for a sense of peace, a sense of calm, knowing that all that we have comes from you and that your care for us is not dependent on any amount that's in our bank account, but that you're our steadfast, loving, good shepherd, and you always, always will be. So God, we thank you for that reminder today, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.